Welcome to the Leap Health in the Workplace podcast. Leap Health empowers individuals and organizations to improve both their physical and mental health. In this podcast, we explore innovative, bespoke, proven health solutions that will improve your personal and professional productivity and happiness. I'm Anna Reddy. Let's get ready to make small steps to Leap Health. Hello and welcome to the podcast today. Today it's titled, Can You Afford to Minimise Menopause in the Workplace? And there's a massive push on acknowledging and recognising that we really, really do need to support women around the menopause in the workplace. So what does the word menopause bring to your mind? Well, often it brings to people's minds, you know, older ladies in the 50s, maybe being a bit emotional and stable, having hot flushes and outbursts of rage or crying um but what really is it all about and for years and years I guess it's been a bit of a hush hush subject where we don't really talk about it don't really taboo about it um, and women have just really been expected to keep quiet and get on with it really just to grin and bear it um and not always actually knowing what they're grinning and bearing not really knowing what's going on in the world just all these sudden changes and symptoms are happening to them um and Women have suffered all these different symptoms and emotions that can have caused so many different things, such as relationship breakdowns, downward spiraling careers, and many other debilitating effects. Um, so actually, 51% of the population will go through menopause, whether that's through to premature ovarian insufficiency, early menopause, or going through menopause at the average age. So it's a massive proportion of the, work po- the workforce who often at this stage, the average age is, is 51, are at the peak of their career, they're on you know, good, good salary and they're really contributing to the economy. So if we don't protect these women and support them during this period of time, it is going to have a big impact on the economy and it is doing. So most recently, it's been recognised that more support and awareness needs to be available um, and particularly many companies are implementing workplace menopause policies. And these policies, if not adhered to, can have many implications, not only just in the women's, um, in their well-being, but also for the company as well in terms of legal aspects and costing productivity. Um, so here are just a few stats that I'm going to go through just to make you realise the impact of it. Um, and this was taken from the Menopause at Work survey, which was 1,132 people. And these are from leading experts who are brilliant in the field of menopause. This is Dr. Louise Newson and Dr. Rebecca Lewis. Um, and hopefully this will give you a bit of a realisation as to why it's imperative to support these women in the workplace. So 94% said that their symptoms had had a negative impact on the work. 9% had actually had a disciplinary disciplinary process as a result of poor performance may I add to this as well though these could have possibly not back on this and the company could have possibly got sued for unfair uh, dismissal 51% had had time off due to the menopause symptoms and 19% were off for more than eight weeks again this is a massive cost to the economy and companies and 51% had to reduce their working hours um, because of they just couldn't manage the workload. Um, and the cause on six on six certificates showed 52% showed up as anxiety and only 7% showed up as menopause. So it really shows that the, diagno- the diagnostics um, of menopause 
are really not where they should be and people aren't recognizing that these symptoms are linked to the menopause and um, i cannot link um a link to that study within the show notes so before we get started let's get a few things clear so as i said menopause although the average average age is 51 doesn't just impact women at this age and what really really is the main stage that we need to be focusing on where women are more symptomatic is the perimenopause and this can actually start from the age of 35 and it usually lasts between 8 to 10 years but it can last up to 15 years and when menopause occurs and this menopause is defined as 12 months post a woman's last bleed many of the symptoms do subside but some of them can continue at post menopause as you know, the drops in estrogen and progesterone levels can have lasting effects. So I just want you to imagine now, imagine for up to 15 years feeling maybe severely, severely fatigued, hot, having hot flushes, really not knowing when those hot flushes are going to come on, sudden bursts of anxiety again, you don't know when they're, when they're going to come on and just coming over you and you're feeling absolutely terrible and anxious and um, things like time pantitis so that your ears ringing constantly imagine having those for 15 years and living with them and those are just four symptoms there's actually approximately 34 symptoms i personally believe there's probably more out there as well that are still um to surface yet but that is that is a long time to be suffering with things like that so just really think, you know, how can something like this really change a woman's life, both physically and mentally? And it's not just their life as well. You have to think about the ripple effect it has on the people around them. So this might be the children, it might be the partners, it might be the parents that maybe the carers for, it might be the colleagues at work, it might be their friends, and that's just to name a few. And often at, the, at this age in that in the life, um, you know, people are having children a little bit later now. At this stage, you could possibly be caring for your parents you might have young children you have hormonal teenagers as well that you're dealing with so many hormones going on in the house um and and you might have a really high up career and responsible career that you need to be on the ball with all the time so it is a really daunting experience but times have changed so historically um the average age of death was 59. So if you went through menopause at 51, this meant that you lived for eight years post-menopause. So this is in the 1700s. Fast forward now to 2019, and the average life expectancy is 83. So this means we're actually living 32 years post-menopause. So it's a long time to be living with the repercussions of not managing it when we should be doing when these hormone levels are dropping. So we've mentioned a few of the symptoms, um, but if you want a more complex list, please do get in touch with me. It's Anna at leaphealth.co.uk. And I've got a quick go-to checklist um, with all the dis- different symptoms that women may be experiencing. Or I do do a workshop around perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause nutrition, nourish to flourish. So I would really encourage, if you're interested in that, I want to support your workplace um, to get in touch with regards to that. So how do we diagnose it? Well, there is no one actual test that can diagnose it. I know we can have blood tests, but our hormones vary so quickly um, that it's very difficult to get an accurate 
uh, blood test reading. So really, it has to go off the symptoms. And we can start to address these symptoms once they're diagnosed, but this is the bit once they're diagnosed. And the problem is that for too long, people, women are living with these symptoms um, and not actually linking them to, to the menopause. Um, and also healthcare professionals aren't doing as well because GPs don't actually get, the, get formal training in this. So it's through no fault of their own, they're managing all different um, disease and therapy areas but they don't actually have the specific training in menopause that maybe is needed. I know there is a big push now, though, to increase that. And Dr. Louise Newson, who I alluded to earlier, is really, really raising awareness around this. So I want you to imagine now a lady goes to the doctor. Or this even may be a, a man who, well, who was a lady and is now living as a man. Um, but still has the female organs, will still go through the menopause. So I want you to imagine someone goes to the doctor describing feelings of depression, feeling quite low, you know, sometimes feeling a bit anxious and just not themselves. What, th what comes to mind straight away that a GP is going to prescribe them? And probably it is going to be antidepressants. And this happens quite a lot. So people go to the doctors, women, who are of menopausal age, perimenopause, but it isn't always associated. When people pause in a 10-minute appointment because they've not got very long with these feelings of, of feeling low and down, the first thing that comes to mind is that people should be prescribed antidepressants. And certainly, I'm not minimising them at all, many people need these and they're critical to their well-being. However, a drop in estrogen levels can lead to these feelings. And it may actually be HRT, hormone replacement therapy, that they actually need. Also, maybe you want to think about other people, who, women who suddenly ex, exper, experience extreme fatigue. So all of a sudden they're feeling really, really tired. Maybe they're getting constant headaches. headaches, um, And they're, they're really worrying that there's something seriously, seriously wrong. And although this would be checking out by a healthcare professional, the underlying cause could be that they are going through the menopause and it's a drop in the estrogen and progesterone levels. Or maybe a woman might be developing a really painful joint, joint pain that they're struggling to, struggling to move, move with. Um, immediately, you would think that you were developing arthritis, which, again, you've got to get checked out. But again, it could be due to the drop in hormone levels. So it's really, really important that you get these symptoms addressed by a healthcare professional but also be mindful, again, that it could be the drop in estrogen that's the cause and hormone replacement therapy could really support this. So we've talked a little bit about diagnosis, a little bit around symptoms, but what are the long-term complications? Well, the long-term complications are cardiovascular disease and the risk of cardiovascular disease really increases after menopause. As insulin level, uh, sorry, as estrogen levels drop, will become um, we have reduced insulin sensitivity, um, increased body fat in the places that we don't really want it, maybe around our tummy, which puts us at greater risk. So then we've got increased risk of type 2 diabetes, blood pressure, um, cholesterol levels, um, reduced levels of HL, which is the good cholesterol that we need, um, and increased levels of triglycerides, which is the ones that we don't really need. Um, and studies do show that women with POI have got an increased risk of cardiovascular disease. 
And also as well, probably you're a bit more familiar with this, is the risk of osteoporosis. So during our life, our, our, life, our bone density is building up all the time until we hit about the age of 35 when it slowly starts to decline. Um, but what you do see in studies is that this decline is accelerated during the menopause, and this is due to the reduction in estrogen. So all this contributes to women being at a higher risk of having osteoporosis. And we all know that this puts them at higher risk of hip fracture. Um, and actually, 1,200 people in the UK per month die of a hip, hip fracture. So this is a massive, massive number. Um, and yeah, half of women over the age of 50 have got osteoporosis, which, as we know, puts them at, um, at a great risk. So what can you actually do? What are the management options? Well, I'm really, really going to, you know, just touch the tip of the iceberg here. Um, but I'm going to apply my ready acronym, which you've probably heard before. Again, this is not spelt like my surname. This is spelt R-E-A-D-Y, so you're ready to take action and offer a few suggestions around each element of this, which may help people through the perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. Um, but again, if you would like a greater understanding of this, I really would encourage that you get in touch and join one of the workshops. So R is for rest, recover, and recharge. So really put just simple little sleep hygiene steps in place. And I know it can be very, very difficult during the menopause and perimenopause to sleep, and it really can impact on your sleep. So try not to put too much emphasis on there and get anxious. If you're not getting the sleep that you can do because, because the hormones are, are impacting on that, but just try and put simple little sleep hygiene steps in place to give you the best chance of having the best night's sleep you possibly can. And if you don't, maybe just, just get up. Instead of pondering and it going over and over in your mind, maybe just, just get up, just read a couple of pages or do something really, really quiet and really chilled and then try and get back to sleep. And make sure to take time out for yourself to, to rest and be kind to yourself and make sure that you recover properly. So it's important to still move um, and train, but make sure that you get that adequate recovery um, to to reduce those cortisol levels and make sure that you've got a good balance of hormones. Um, make sure that you eat well. And this is you know, really, really uh, key to it as well. As a nutritionist, I really, really believe that nutrition has such an impact um, on what you do. So think about your protein. Um, when your estrogen levels are dropping, um, your, your muscles can experience sarcopenia, which is a, a reduction in muscle mass. So make sure that you're getting a good adequate amount of protein to maintain that muscle fast, um, muscle mass. Um, our calorie needs decline as well. Our basal metabolic rate um, reduces slightly. So fiber is a really good way of creating satiety. Make sure you're having fiber with each meal. It also as well supports your gut health, which we know that there's a link between the gut and the brain axis. So again, if you're feeling a little bit down, it will have a positive impact on your mind. Um, really important, don't exclude any food groups unless a healthcare professional has advised you to for a medical reason. But they're called macronutrients for a reason. Macro means big, so don't miss it out. Otherwise, you could be putting yourself at risk of losing out on key nutrients. Um, I'd opt for a low GI, low GI carbs, or those ones that 
you know, release energy slowly so that you don't get the peaks and troughs in your blood sugar levels. Because as I said, you get a reduction in your insulin sensitivity. So, you know, go for your whole grains like brown rice, uh, whole grain pasta, pulses and lentils, that kind of thing. And healthy fats, I can't sell these enough to you. These are a key player in hormonal health. And so particularly your omega-3s, and these are found in oil, fish, milk, seeds, and egg yolks. Um, so it is for activity. So this is not just about putting yourself through loads and loads of pain in the gym and you know doing hours and hours of exercise every day. It's just about finding something that you enjoy and get out for regular intervals during the day and do something that is sustainable that you know maybe catch up with someone else as well and boost your mood by getting that connection as well but just find little pockets of time in your day to do something that is sustainable and that you actually enjoy and even you know a little walk will just raise your mood or all these things support your mental health but also support your weight as well because you can be more prone to put on weight as you as i said as your maze metabolic rate reduces um, and this supports supports your cardiovascular system and your osteoporosis risk as well and focusing on the osteoporosis risk particularly important is weight bearing exercises um, to maintain your muscles and support your bones as well and ensure that you can move for a long time through your life um, the next one is D. These for distractions. So use them to your advantage. Um, so if you're in that moment of rage and feeling really, really harried, be wise who and what to avoid. So tap into those distractions, the things that are, you know, may make that rage 10 times worse or the actual positive ones that could minimise that rage. Equally, if you're feeling really low and a bit down, you know the distractions that are instantly going to raise your mood positively. So it might be, you know, a good book or something that just makes you laugh. It might be a positive person that you can pick the phone up and you know you could let off steam and immediately you will feel better after. And then the most important one, why is for you. And if you don't take anything else away from this, take home this message that it's all about you. It's your body, it's your mind, it's your world. And only you and your individual approach will work best for you. So just be kind to yourself. And just because someone else is experiencing something going through their journey, it doesn't mean you're going to experience that. And just because you're experiencing it and no one else is, doesn't mean that that's wrong. And you have to be really individual in your solution in terms of what's going to work to support you. So... I do want to quickly touch on HRT. I've mentioned this, um, but again, this is really going to skim the surface of it. And if you want to know more about it, do, do get in touch. I do cover it on the workshops. Um, but I think a lot of people are cautious around HRT. Um, a lot of it stems from headlines that were published in the New York Times in 2002. Um, and this has really had a lasting impact on people and worried them about the risk of HRT and breast cancer. Since then, it has been investigated. Areas of the study were found to be a little bit um, invalid, not that not that reputable, um, particularly in terms of patient types. There are a lot of older women um, who had already gone through this. Um, and there's a lot more recent and credible studies out there that do demonstrate the benefits of HRT for many women. And for a lot of ladies, the long-term benefits outweigh the risk. However, there is some women that still should avoid HRT. Um, and I can put a link into the show notes again as to the nice guidance which summarises which of those women um, might avoid it. And it really is an individual approach. Um, 
if you look at the race of uh, breast cancer, though, estrogen only HRT, particularly the um, topical ones, uh, the creams and gels, show absolutely no increase in the risk of breast cancer. Um, but often it is advised that you use progesterone alongside that um, for your womb lining. But as I said, that's really skimming the surface of it. And if you want more information, then to, please do get in touch. So to summarise the podcast, um, a reactive approach to menopause management and support could, A, if it is you, mean you could suffer a whole host of symptoms for a long time, which could have a whole host of long-term implications on your health, on your relationships and your career if it's not addressed. B, workplaces that fail to offer support to women experiencing any, any stage of menopause can be at risk of legal implications, loss of productivity, and loss of valuable talent if women have to leave the workplace. And finally, it is not all doom and gloom. There are many things you can do to help yourself and others manage the menopause. So if you want to empower yourself to steer the wheel through your menopause journey or help those around you, or maybe make your workplace a menopause-friendly one, or simply just help yourself understand those emotional, feisty women around you, then why not get in touch? Um, as I said before, my email address is anna at leaphealth.co.uk or visit the website for more details, which is www.leaphealth.co.uk. Thank you so much. Have a great day and make health contagious. So before you start listening, I want you to think about how you can make health contagious. Did anything resonate in the podcast? What did you learn that was new? Did you hear something that you thought someone else would love to hear? If so, please share this podcast please leave me a review or please get in touch at anna at leaphealth.co.uk to learn more about how you can improve physical and mental health of individuals and those in the workplace so that everybody can feel happier and healthier and more productive. Thank you.